0: The Commercial Real Estate Show is an informative radio program for thought-provoking enlightenment. The show, nor the station, host, or guest through the show audio are providing legal, accounting, or other fiduciary advice. For representation to suit your specific requirements, engage an experienced professional familiar with your company, property sector, and market area. For recommendations to professional providers to suit your endeavors, you're invited to contact the host at CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you're working with and laugh. I believe we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. If you have any questions or comments about today's show or any commercial real estate related endeavors, we invite you to reach out to us. You can reach us by email, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, pigeon carrier, I think. You know, uh, you know, you can reach us by smoke signals. However you'd like to reach us, you can find all our contacts at the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Today, our topic is raising capital and group investing. Look, it's, it's a great time to buy commercial real estate. We just went through one of the deepest real estate-related recessions we may see in our lifetime and most people believe it is an excellent time to be buying commercial real estate. Prices and value should increase. If you have the cash, you should be, and probably are, investing right now. But what if you don't have enough cash to go it alone? Well, maybe you're considering group investing, partnerships, or limited partnerships as a way to invest in the current market. Well, today, we're gonna talk about group real estate investing and private placement offerings. We're going to share with you some tips for partnership agreements. We're going to share some strategies for group investment structuring as well. Plus, we'll share the latest on the changes in the Reg D rules related to advertising for investors. The opportunity to advertise for private investors should be a game changer for both investors and sponsors of group investments. Please welcome my guest, Gene Trowbridge, Esquire CCIM. He's a real estate attorney, a CCIM commercial real estate trainer, and an author. His law firm practice is centered on matters concerning the syndication of commercial and investment real estate. In the last 18 months, his firm has produced PPMs, which are private placement memoranda for over $150 million of syndications. Plus, he has prepared partnership agreements, entity formation, and group investment structures for hundreds of clients. Um, He's also a member of the CCIM faculty since 1979, where he has been honored as the Institute's Instructor of the Year and holds the CCIM Distinguished Service Award. also recommend Gene's book about real estate syndications. It's called A Whole New Business. Gene, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show.
1: Thank you, Michael. It's a beautiful day in
0: Atlanta. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you for joining us here at Studio One in Atlanta and coming all the way from uh, California. And and to get us started, you know, why should people be concerned with with Reg D and and regulations when they're group investing? Can't some guys just put together some cash and uh, get some cash from some friends and family and and go buy real estate?
1: Well, that's a good place to start, Michael. Mm -hmm. We have to start with the the understanding of what is a security Mm -hmm. we kind of know what a syndication is that's just Mm -hmm. simply putting multiple people together to buy something like i'm going to the airport after this a show and I'm flying home, that's a syndication. Mm-hmm. I don't own an airplane, I can't fly an airplane, but I pool my money with other passengers and we get on a plane and we get where we're going. That's a syndication. Pooling our resources to buy real estate is a syndication, but the real issue is, does that syndication uh, generate a security interest? And usually it does. And why does It's because your investors are putting up their money there's some sort of a common enterprise going on to buy and hold this real estate. The investors are in it for a profit that you've told them about, and they're counting on you to make all the decisions. That's a real easy, common textbook definition of a security, an investment of money, common enterprise, expectation of profits through the results of someone else. So now we have a security. It could be just you and me. You give me your money I'll find the deal, I'll make all the decisions, that's a security. It could be 30 people like you with me making the decision. So now that we've decided that it is a security, which it really will be most times, we run into a problem right away. Every security offering has to be registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission unless it's exempt And, Michael, that's what we all want to do. We all want to stay away from the SEC, the time, and the money it takes to get a registered offering. So we want to do an exempt offering. And we do an exempt offering under Regulation D. That's a rule that came out in 1982 that allows people to do syndications as a security without going to the SEC.
0: Okay. And there's some changes in Reg D, right? So people are going to be able to advertise for investors. Tell us about the JOBS Act and the status of the changes related to the ability to advertise for investors.
1: Sure. the um, One of the restraints that syndicators had under Regulation D, and they all wanted to work under Regulation D so they don't have to register they're offering with the SEC. One of the restraints was is that you could not make an offer to sell your security through advertising or solicitation. Uh, Newsletters, websites, speaking engagements, all those things would be advertising and solicitation. And if you were standing up in front of a group and you were telling them about the offering that you had and and suggesting that they see you in the back of the room, you were taking $50,000 investments right now, you would have violated the law, you would have violated Reg D, therefore you had to go all the way back to the SEC. So since 82, we have not been able to advertise investors. And uh, the JOBS Act that came out in 2012 said, let's free up capital formation a little bit. Let's let syndicators go to people who are rich and are smart, and we'll call them accredited investors. Let's let our syndicators go to accredited investors and let's let them advertise. uh, The people should have the wherewithal to make a determination on their own whether that investment is suitable for them. And so now uh, we are coming to the point where the SEC has finally issued a rule and the rule will go into effect on September twenty third, I think it is, that will allow us to do a regulation D offering and advertise as long as the sponsor is reasonably assured, and those are key words, reasonably assured that all the investors are accredited in their deal.
0: Okay. And and whose responsibility is it for the sponsor to determine that. Does the sponsor have to determine if these are accredited investors and what is the definition of an accredited investor? Okay,
1: Dodd-Frank changed the definition of accredited investor in a very important way. Accredited investor has always been someone who had a net worth of a million dollars and or, and very important, it's or, an annual income of $200,000 as an individual or three hundred as a married couple. But in the $1 million of net worth up until Dodd-Frank, you could count the value of your primary residence. And Dodd-Frank took that away. So today the definition of an accredited investor is a million dollars of net worth not counting your uh, primary residence or the income levels that we had. Taking the primary residence out of your definition of accredited investor took about 40% of the people who we thought were accredited in the United States and took them away from that definition. So that's, uh, that's been a big change in our business. Your first question is, who's responsible now? Well, under the rule that allows you to advertise, the sponsor takes over the responsibility of certifying that the investor is accredited. Uh, Prior to that, and still under Reg D, if you don't advertise, all we need the investor to do is to check a box and they self-certify that they're accredited. But now the sponsor has to be reasonably assured. So the sponsor is gonna have to do some research, Michael, and figure out a a way to have uh, a record-keeping system that if they're ever asked, they can show... Well, this is the research I did on this investor. And to my satisfaction, I determined that the investor was
0: accredited. Okay. So if you're not advertising, then you can have the investor check the box. And the responsibility is, is on the investor that he's accredited. Now, is that called the 506B? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. All these numbers under, yeah. the, under the new
1: rule, mm-hmm. what was 506 mm-hmm. will now be 506B. And that's what we talked about last year. We talked mm-hmm. about the fact that you could have a uh, a Reg D, 506 offering, raise as much money as you want from as many accredited investors, and you can have 35 sophisticated investors. No advertising allowed. Okay. Here comes 506C that says raise as much money as you want from as many accredited investors, only accredited investors and you can make an offer through your advertising.
0: Okay, all right, we're gonna get deeper into sophisticated investors like my listeners here, okay? So stay tuned more on capital raising and group investing. I'm Michael Bull, and this is The Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800 408 Bull. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you like the latest intel on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, we just produced separate shows on the office, industrial, and the retail markets, and another informative show on management strategies that add value. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. You can access the shows on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, Today, we're discussing raising capital and group investing. My guest is Gene Trowbridge, a real estate lawyer who authored the book on real estate syndications. It's a whole new business. And Gene, we've ended up talking about 506B and and C. And, you know, Congress passed this act to advance capital formation. How do you think this is going to affect the real estate syndication industry?
1: Well, I think it's going to have uh, major positive effects on our industry. To give you a little background, uh, the SEC quoted some statistics when they were getting ready to pass this rule, and they felt that in 2011 and 2012, there was about $900 billion to a trillion dollars raised in Regulation D offerings without the ability to advertise. That's a lot of money. That's quite close to the amount of money that's raised in registered, uh, offerings. That's so, more than I
0: have here behind the desk, Yes, actually, it's, so.
1: Yes, it is. I noticed <laughs> that. And um, the last time the SEC had something like this happen, it had to do with a, a different regulation. They predicted that about uh, there would be a 10 percent increase in the amount of money being raised. So in their documentation on this rule, they think between 10 and 15 percent Uh, more money will be raised through this uh, new rule, which is another $150 billion in a year. That's a a lot of money. Now, um, another thing they said that I thought was interesting, because it really reflects the type of business I do, of all the Reg D offerings that were uh, processed during uh, 2012, there are about 18,000 of them in the country. The median offering amount was a million and a half dollars. So that doesn't sound like an awful lot of money, but that's just the equity portion. Mm -hmm. With a million and a half, you can buy a four or five million dollar property. And that's what my clients are raising. They're raising a million and a half to three million dollars in that area. So your question is, how will it affect the industry? Well, the SEC thinks it'll be a big boost to the industry. How will it affect my clients and my sponsors? I'm not, I'm not so sure. Uh, earlier we talked, uh, we used the word sophisticated investor. Here's a sophisticated investor that I see an awful lot. They have $500,000 in their uh, 401k or their IRA rollover. They have a three or $400,000 house that's free and clear. They're in their late 50s, they're in their early 60s, and they have no bills. They're not an accredited investor
0: because they might not make that two hundred thousand dollar threshold
1: that's right they probably don't have the income and now their house doesn't qualify for for equity and so um, they probably have some investment experience so you could call them sophisticated which really means that they have enough um smarts on their own or financial advisor help to make a determination on whether the investment is suitable for them and um you can deal with these sophisticated investors and most of my clients still need the sophisticated investor money to raise that million and a half or two million dollar offering. They're not looking to people with a million dollar minimum investment. So looking at people with 50000 so 100000
0: So if they have advertised that, that syndication, they can't take that sophisticated investment. That's
1: right. If you advertise, if you make an offer through advertising, mm-hmm. you cannot take that investor. The only investors you can take are accredited investors. Right,
0: And that doesn't mean you didn't find them through the advertising. It means you didn't advertise that, that pool or that, that property, that, that syndication mm-hmm. at all. Right. Well, you caught
1: a nuance right yeah. there, and I have said it a couple times. The rule is you can't make an offer through advertising or general solicitation. You've always been able to advertise and do general solicitation for the purpose of building your database. Mm-hmm. You've always been able to do that. Mm-hmm. But but you can't make an offer. What you should do is you should advertise and do solicitation to get people in your database who will go into future offerings the technical term is you can't uh, make an offer to those people in anything that you're currently offering or contemplated but you can sure as heck build your database Okay. You just have to be careful. It gets a little dicey in the weeds here, but right. you know what we're talking
0: about. That's right. Okay. And there's also some possible amendments as well, oh, yes. right? Tell us about these amendments.
1: Well, here they give you all this great thing. They give you the ability to advertise. And then you can imagine what the SEC is thinking. You know, every con artist is now going to go and advertise. And in fact, I saw one comment from a securities regulator who said, any known fraudster who doesn't use the internet to grab investors should be convicted of fraudster malpractice. And so that's what the SEC is worried about, you know. We're just gonna open the floodgates on all these bad deals. So here comes the amendment that is now being um, floated. It is uh, open for public comment for 60 days, and then the SEC will get back and either pass it or defeat it, and no one knows. But in the amendment, certain things they would like to see happen were named. Number one, the SEC would like to see your advertising before you use it, and they'd like to put in your advertising their disclaimers, and you can imagine what their disclaimers are. Don't invest in this, you'll lose all your money. You can just (laughs) imagine what they're gonna say. they are going to ask for further disclosure to the investors if you're advertising. If you're doing a, 505, a 506B offering right now and you choose to limit it to accredited investors, you don't need to do a private placement memorandum because those accredited investors are rich and smart, they can make their own decisions. If you step over into the world where I'm gonna advertise and everyone's going to be accredited, we're kind of wondering if when the amendment says we want more disclosure, if they aren't going to come back and slap on us the requirement of writing a
0: PPM. Well, that would make sense. That they yeah, would, it, it certainly it would, does make yeah, sense. And, yeah.
1: and you know, there's two sides to the, to this coin. Yeah. Yes, we want capital formation, but we don't want to take advantage of investors. And another thing that that's important, um, there were many things, but the third thing that's important is that Right now, when my clients do an offering, I have to file something called a Form D with the SEC, and I have to file it within 15 days of the first sale being made to an investor. This requirement in the amendment says, Gene, you're going to have to file on behalf of your client 15 days before you make an offer, 15 days after the first sale, and when your deal closes. So it's going to increase the workload. It's going to expand time if you have to send your advertising to the SEC before you can use it. And then you have to register 15 days before you even make an offer. We've just added 30 days to the time frame of an offering, which is tough in a hot market like we have today when, you know, sellers want to close in 45 days. Who's going to have the time to do this? So that's a, that's a problem.
0: Right, so you want to think about all that before you decide if you're going to advertise uh, that syndication or not, right? You know, it's
1: it's a weighing situation. You're going to look at how can I raise money, what's the best way for me to raise money, and you're going to look at the choices and uh, go forward.
0: We'll have more for you in just a moment. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media france media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate visit france media Inc. Com or call 404-832-8262 welcome back i'm michael bull and this is the commercial real estate show you're invited to check out our youtube channel There are three sections of videos, three, I have three fingers here. The first is called Market Updates. That features updates on various property types. The second is Industry Intel, very informative videos there, things like leasing tips, social media, contracts, agent success strategies. And the third section is Available Properties. Just visit YouTube and search for the channel Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing raising capital and group investing with gene trowbridge and gene uh, let's talk about some of the definitions uh, you we talked about a ppm a private placement memoranda and that it uh, is gonna required some of the times it's not required in- what should be in a ppm and what's it do for the sponsor and the investors
1: all right michael let's let's say i was coming to you with a, uh, a real estate offering on a specific property I'd probably want to show you, or you'd at least want to see the property package, all the things about the property. And then, uh, because we're gonna do this in a group investment, Michael, you'd probably want to see the uh, the operating agreement or the partnership agreement of this entity that's gonna be formed, that you're gonna be part of, mm-hmm. that will own the real estate. And then I, as a sponsor, I'm gonna want you to answer some questions. Are you accredited? Are you sophisticated? What's your investment? Uh, Experience and uh, are you suitable for this type of investment? You put all that stuff together, and you could put a staple on it. You could give it to me on a CD. Mm. I could put it on the website. Technically, that really is a PPM. That would be a private placement memorandum, and you're always going to have to do that. When the rule says you don't need to give an accredited investor a private placement memorandum, If all the investors are accredited, it doesn't mean you wouldn't be giving them all that information. It just means that there's a specific format of a document that's directed by something called Guide 5, which is a part of Regulation D, that tells you, if you need to give them a PPM, how should it be written. It tells you what things it should cover. It tells you in what order you should cover them. You should talk about mm-hmm. risks and conflicts before you talk about the fact that we're going to triple your money in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it tells you what size font things should be in. It's, it's a re-de- really detailed guide on how to write that document. So if you're giving a, uh, an offering and all your investors are accredited, According to the rule today, you don't need that document, but that doesn't mean you're going to sell anything unless you give the investor the two things that I talked about, information on the property and the operating agreement. The rule in securities that keeps you safe is have you given the investor all the material facts they need to make an informed decision before you take their money. How are you going to do that if you don't put some of this stuff down in writing? Because if you don't put it down in writing, you never said it. Right. You'll never be able to protect yourself. So, one of your questions was, who does who do all these documents benefit? Mm-hmm. Well, they really benefit the sponsor. Because the sponsor now has an insurance policy that if anyone challenges them, that uh, Gene if you told me this I never would have invested with you. I
0: can lose my money.
1: <laughs> I can lose my money. I can pull out the documents and say well you know Michael I did tell you that and in fact in the subscription agreement you signed right uh, right under the words that I put in there that says I attest to the fact that I read all the documents right. and I've asked Gene all the questions I want to ask and he's answered all the questions I need to ask and then you sign it. You could never come back and say well I never saw that or I really wasn't accredited you've given up your rights to raise that as a as a defense so the the booklet protects the sponsor okay the booklet is your sales material right. you know you can't write a booklet that's so devastatingly stern mm-hmm. uh, that no one will invest with you and that's one of the things I bring to the table cuz you know I was a syndicator for a long time and I had other attorneys draft my booklets, and now I kind of know what can be in a booklet to protect the sponsor and still be a marketing piece. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting. And one of the other benefits of the PPM is when it's all said and done, the investors pay for it. As far as the money gets raised, uh, we take a chunk of that money and reimburse the sponsor for the money that they spent up front to draft all the documents so the investors are really paying for that
0: okay well good so it sounds like you you're going to use something like a ppm anyway so if you stick to the regulations of a ppm it might protect you uh as a syndicator even if you're not required to do it it would seem like it'd Mm -hmm. be a little bit more safety there doesn't it
1: we have many sponsors who Mm -hmm. just say let's go ahead and uh Mm -hmm write a PPM, even if we don't need it.
0: Right. And then you're at least you're covered. That's right. Okay. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have more on raising capital and group investing with Gene Trowbridge. I'm Michael Bull. You're listening to the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is The Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some very interesting shows coming up for you, including a show on tax credits, a show on commercial real estate associations, and a show featuring the Fed's view on commercial real estate. You don't want to miss that one. And don't miss any show of special interest to you. Sign up for a a once-a-week email announcing show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're discussing raising capital and group investing. <laughs> My guest is Gene Trowbridge. And, Gene, let's talk about some of the advantages that investors have when they're pooling their money and they're investing with a general partner, a syndicator. Uh, they have some advantages there, right? Well, certainly they do, mm-hmm. and they must have if they've invested $900 billion
1: in funds last year. They must see mm-hmm. some advantage to it. And the advantage is. Uh, They can't do it themselves. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing. As I talk to a lot of people, I say, you know, if you don't have to be a partner with someone else, don't. If -hmm. you have all the money you need, to do all the real estate investing you want, do it yourself. If you have all the time and the expertise and the skills to do all the management uh, yourself, don't invest with anyone else. Just do it yourself. If you have all the lending and borrowing capability you'll ever need to do all the deals you want, don't do it with anyone else. And all the experience. And all the experience, you know. And uh, after about the third one of those, their eyes kind of glaze over and say, well, maybe I should look at the opportunity of investing with what? with an experienced sponsor. Someone who's, who's done this before, who has a track record, who has an organization, who has the management skills, the borrowing capacity, the, um, the deal-making uh, ability.
0: Yeah, you're really getting the benefit of all their experience and knowledge and connections. And, uh, and that's why you wanna invest and you wanna make sure that you're investing in the right sponsor. So what would you tell an investor who's looking at a sponsor how do they know?
1: Well, I'll tell you that uh, over the years, I've learned the uh, four questions that investors ask sponsors. Mm -hmm. So we'll just think about what do they already know to ask. The first question they always ask is, Michael, if I'm going to invest with you and give you my $50,000 in this deal, what happens if something happens to you? Mm -hmm. Continuity is the first and foremost question that they ask That's a good question. and so you have to have a team as a sponsor you have to be able to answer that mm-hmm. the next question they're going to ask is michael um, if this deal is so good, why aren't you doing it yourself? Mm -hmm. And then you have to come up with the answer that, you know, I don't have enough money to do every single deal Mm -hmm. I see. And uh, I am am in the business of taking investors in on the good deals that I see and helping them make money and helping them meet their investment goals. Then the third question is, if... um, we do this deal together, Michael, how much are you going to invest in this deal? I understand you're bringing in us this group of investors, but are you going to have some skin in the game? And you have to be able to answer that. Mm -hmm. And the fourth question kind of goes back to the first question, which was continuity. But the fourth question is, well, Michael, if something happens to me, how do I get my money out of the deal? So now they're asking about liquidity, And uh, that answer is, well, we have a well-drafted operating agreement drafted by competent attorneys, and we do have a plan for liquidity so that uh, if something happens to you, you can um, take steps to get your money back. And And I'll tell you, Michael, that in my experience in this business, most of the problems that syndicators run into in their deals do not go to the property. It goes to the investors. You know, you've got 20 people in this deal, and it's going to be a four-, five-, six-year deal. Something's going to happen to one or more of those investors in the next five or six years, just like it's happened to you in the last five or six years and to me in the last five or six years. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the investor is knocking on your door, calling you. Their attorney is after you. We need our money back. Yeah. And I know one of the problems of being a syndicator, because I was one for a very long time, is the syndicator's willingness to really take charge of a certain chunk of an investor's economic life right. and be responsible for that for a while. You know, not everyone should be a sponsor.
0: Be careful what you ask for. Yes, right?
1: not everyone should be. And that's, that's what I tell sponsors to yeah. in, in my workshops. You know, if you don't have to do this, don't do this. The care and maintenance of investors will wear you down, but it's really a good thing for investors. Let's just go back to $900 billion Mm dollars of people investing in Reg D Rule 506 offerings buying properties they couldn't buy themselves, they couldn't manage themselves, they wouldn't even know where to find them. Many of the opportunities that our sponsors bring to investors are geographically removed from where the investors live. Uh, Texas has been a hot market, Georgia's a hot market, the Carolinas are a hot market, uh, Alabama, and we have a lot of investors from California who don't want to invest in California right now. Mm-hmm. How else could they invest in a property in, in Birmingham? Right. You need someone there on the ground to manage it. So it's very exciting, great yeah. business.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the, the challenges that a syndicator may have with having lots of investors, and we're short on the break here, but that's kind of an interesting concept. If you're going to advertise for investors, then you really don't know that much about those people, right? That's right.
1: And all you can hope for is they
0: all are more than
1: just financially accredited. They all come under the rule of smart. (laughs) So they can ask the right questions, they can fend for themselves, and the number of emergencies that will cause you problems will be limited.
0: Yeah, that's right. You don't want to be getting that call from uh, from investors that need money before it's time to get out. Mm-hmm. And and that can be a challenge sometimes, right, with a syndication.
1: Yeah, the best story I have on that is a an elderly woman called me. We were building storage units. She called, and she needed $4,700 back so she could buy a new engine for her grandson's. Grand Dam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, more on the Grand Dam and investing in uh, partnerships, uh, raising capital and group investing more for you in just a minute. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Hi, I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for being with us today. Today, we're talking with Gene Trowbridge. We're talking about raising capital and a group investing. And Gene, I'd like to ask you about some of the challenges or differences from an investor's standpoint and from a syndicator's standpoint of a syndication put together for a specific property and then a syndication that's more of a blind pool to to go out and invest in real estate. All
1: right, Michael, I think the specific mm-hmm. property is the first type of syndication you would do if you were a rookie sponsor. Mm-hmm. You wanna be able to show your investors that we're gonna buy this building over here, here's the property package, the investment summary, I know everything there is to know about this building, and now you do too, would you like to invest in it? That's probably the easiest way to raise money It probably gives the investor the best uh, comfort level that they know what's happening. But the advantage of a blind pool is if we can raise enough money to buy more than one property, the sponsor just goes through all the work of getting that fund started and then raises more money buying two properties as opposed to doing two funds. Saves a lot of time and energy. And from the good side for the investor, diversification. Mm-hmm. You may be able to invest in uh, a fund that has many properties. Right now, many of our sponsors uh, out west are still doing house flipping. Mm-hmm. They're raising $5, 6000000 million, and they're planning to buy 20 houses. Mm-hmm. Now, that gives the investor the ability really to invest in a widely diversified set of assets, and that spreads the risk out, and I think that that's attractive. All the way back to 506C, where you can advertise. Advertising for a blind pool makes a lot of sense because if you have a good track record and you can provide diversification you might be able to attract some people to go into that type of a fund. But just blanket advertising for a specific offering might not be as effective as you'd like.
0: And also it's important as well for the sponsor to be able to move quickly when they see an opportunity. Proof of funds, you've heard <laughs> right. of that term, right. We've got all
1: the money in the right. bank and uh, we'll just go out and buy something. You can buy REOs, mm-hmm. you can go to auctions, um, a, an all-cash mm-hmm. blind pool is an acquisition strategy. You buy for all cash, you get the property uh, Mm -hmm. fixed up, you get it uh, stabilized, you refinance, you give the investors some of their money back, and then it turns into a long-term hold. Mm -hmm. And we have several sponsors who are very effective in that.
0: Yeah, well that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of the properties that we put on the market uh, we'll have multiple offers, so you know we'll ask for proof of ability to close, and the sellers will make decisions based on seeing that proof of ability. Right. So if you do have that blind pool, you invest in that blind pool. That you have that advantage, and it's interesting. Not all sellers take the highest price. Sometimes they take the for sure deal. Right. And, and that's that, right. That's another.
1: And as the market heats up, especially in multifamily today, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get that seller to sit still for 60, 90 days while you raise the money.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, what kind of tip would you leave our listeners with if they're, they're an investor uh, or they're putting together a syndication? All
1: right. Well, the tip for the investors mm-hmm. is to have these four questions ready. Ask the sponsor about continuity, Ask the sponsor about their track record. Ask the sponsor how much skin they're going to have in the game and what's the liquidity provision. And the tip for the sponsors is always be building your database of potential investors.
0: Always. Always. Always be ready. Always. Okay, Gene, but you can't advertise right now, correct? Oh,
1: that's right, Michael. Remember, we started talking about this potential new new rule the rule's been passed, but it isn't effective until September 23rd. And then we have to watch for that amendment that's going to come out probably sometime before the end of the year.
0: Okay. Well, Gene, thanks for joining us today. We sure appreciate your intel.
1: You're welcome, Michael. I enjoyed it.
0: Thanks. All right. Well, can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. We'll talk to the national leaders of CCIM, ICSC, and NAR, the National Association of Realtors. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by your friends at Bull Realty, France Media, Atlanta Office Liquidators, and Wiseman, Noack, Curry, and Wilco. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com.